Thank you, Luke. Oh, that was new. The microphone scared me. Anyways, I am really excited uh, to be speaking with you this morning. Um, it's a great privilege. I really don't take it lightly uh, whatsoever. And I've just uh, been excited and thinking about seeing you all for so long. Um, and now that I'm back, I'm just thrilled. Um, like Luke said, I'm a missionary in Scotland. And if you want to know about what we're doing, just Saturday, come up to my house um, in the afternoon. If you want to know about the details, Come talk to me, come talk to my wife, but we want everyone to come. You're all invited. Have a, have a beer, have a burger, and we'll tell you about what we're doing in Scotland. Anyways, enough about me. Let's open up the Bible. Um, we're going to be uh, opening up to the book of Revelation. Um, Revelation chapter 2, verse 18. Um, and we believe as Christians that the Bible, even though an ancient book, still has very relevant things to say to us today. Uh, so it's the big two followed by the little 18. You got it? Everybody turn there? Awesome. Because now I'm going to tell you a story. Um, and I'm going to tell you about a story from my childhood. But don't close your Bibles. It's a, it's a story about tolerance. A story about how much can you tolerate. You know, how, maybe you know the limits of your tolerance. Maybe you know just how far you can be pushed, before, how much you can tolerate something. Or maybe someone hasn't been around to push you in a while. And I'm the youngest of four boys. And as a little brother, I had a very important job to my brothers, and that was to push them to their tolerance limits. Not their pain limits, but just annoyance and just uh, all in all a, a nuisance. And I'd push them and I'd push them. And all the while, my whole goal was I wanted them to hit me. Well, that's stupid, you say? Right. It was. I was a little boy. It was not a well-thought plan. And they'd hit me, and then I'd cry sometimes because it really hurt. And then they cry. And other times, they knew not to hit me too hard because I'd cry. But anyways, they'd hit me, and they'd hit me like lightly, but I'd still like milk it for all it's worth and cry and cry and scream and wail until my dad or my mom came around. And they see the crying boy. They see the other brother standing over him, and they're like, no, I didn't even. And then they're in trouble. The whole point was to get them in trouble. I wanted them punished, sent to their room. I wanted to play the video game or whatever. I wanted what, something they had, and I wanted them to be away. My whole purpose was to lead my brothers astray, was to push them to their tolerance limits, to get them to do something they know they shouldn't do. We're going to read a letter that Jesus sends to a church in a place called Thyatira. And he's going to talk to them about some things that they tolerate and those that they shouldn't be doing. So I'm going to read that right now. To the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am the one who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you except to hold on to what you have until I come. 
To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give that one the morning star. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. What a letter, right? Um, and I, before I really dive into what this is saying... I want to just pause and set the scene. I want to make sure we understand the gravity of this letter. Firstly, what's a Thyatira? Thyatira is a city in what is now modern-day Turkey. And the Thyatira is known for a couple things, but one is its many, many trade guilds. And these trade guilds are known for their wild parties and their worship of the god Apollo. That's what they're known for. And this church is existing in that context and in that culture. Secondly, this is really important, and this is the more important part that I do not want you to miss. This is a letter from Jesus Christ to the church in Thyatira. These are the letters, these are the very words of Christ himself. The same Christ who died for your sins. The same Christ who rose from the grave. He is speaking, so we better be paying attention to what he has to say. And with that in mind, let's jump into this letter. After this amazing illustration and description of the image of Christ, we get some of the sweetest words a Christian could ever hear. I know your deeds, your love, and your service, and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. He's encouraging them. He says, I see just how much you've grown. He's like a proud dad watching his children grow up. He's watching them come to maturity. They haven't heard this gospel news and just sat back with it. They've heard the gospel and been changed. They've heard the gospel and grew. They heard the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They heard of the promise of eternal life. They knew of the love Christ has for them. And they run with it. And they move, they're spurned to action. It evokes this response in them. They go out and they love their neighbor with everything. They put their neighbor ahead of themselves. They want to actually take care of the poor. They spend time doing it. They want to love one another in such a powerful way that Christ himself commends them for it. They want to serve Jesus Christ in real, tangible ways. The message of Jesus Christ has changed them, not just in a spiritual sense, not just on the inside have they been made clean, but that is overflowed to the outside and it's actually observable in their life. They've grown. Who here has already heard the gospel? How has this gospel changed you? Have you grown in your love, your service, your deeds? Are you still persevering? Who here has never heard the gospel before this very moment? Will you let it change you? Will you let it transform you? Will you let it grow you? You see, this church didn't hear the gospel and then elevate a few members to be professional church people and be professional Christians. This church heard the good news and as an entire body moved in response to it. They all grew. They all shared their faith. They all loved one another. And they all persevered, all for the glory of Jesus Christ. You see, Thyatira is a growing church. 
This isn't, a, it's not, it maybe it's small or maybe it's large, but it's growing. They're growing in numbers, they're growing in spiritual gifts, they're growing in love, they're growing in faith, they're growing in service. And this is amazing exhortation. It's words that we should strive to hear ourselves as Christians from Christ. And after this, immediately following this, he comes, Christ comes with a rebuke. He comes with something he's not happy about. So keep that in mind as we move forward from this, is that this church is not some wicked, vile church. It's a growing church. Yet, they tolerate sin in their midst. They've tolerated and taken part in sexual immorality and eating of food sacrificed to idols. You see, remember Thyatira, the trade guild city that worships Apollo? Those wild parties that they like to throw? You see, a woman came along and convinced some members of the church to come to these parties. You see, but the problem is these parties are how they worship Apollo. They typically start out with some food sacrifices and then end with some sexual debauchery. That's how that would go. And maybe, you know, it starts out innocently enough. Maybe the church says, you know what, we're going to be all things to all men and we're going to love, you know, our city and we're going to, you know, we, we're going to show them that we're tolerant people and like we're okay with these beliefs. And they'll go, we'll go, but we won't, we won't eat the food and we'll just leave before, you know, things get absolutely out of hand. But we're just going to go and sit back and we're just going to be tolerant. You know, we don't, and then they, they kind of keep going and maybe the first few times nothing really happens. But then you're like, oh, we, we don't want to show them that we're offensive and like we don't want to sh- be like, oh, we're totally down with this. We can, no, we can do this. Let's, this is fine. Like, we'll take part of the food. We'll eat the food, but we're definitely leaving at the end. Until eventually they don't leave at the end. And now they've gone all the way, committing sin. Does this sound familiar to you? Does this sound like a culture you live in today? A culture that screams tolerance. That screams, it's okay. To say that what's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. That everything's equal, included. Everyone, take part. It's all fine. It's no right and wrong. That's so abstract. So hard. No. And so for the sake of tolerance, uh, we don't call out the sin in our midst. We say it's all okay, and we go to places we know we shouldn't be, and we do things we know we shouldn't do. So what sin do you tolerate? For me, I'll tell you the sin I tolerated. In my life for a long time, I tolerated laziness. I was happy to be a sloth. I was happy to hate work and hate school and hate church. And I just didn't really want to do any of it. And I could tell a hundred different people a hundred different reasons about why I wasn't motivated and why I didn't want to do things and why I didn't really want to be a part of the church. But deep down, I knew is laziness. And maybe you tolerate a different sin in your life. Maybe it's not laziness for you. Maybe you're just very cavalier about uh, disobeying the commands of Christ. Maybe we're okay with that as a church, or maybe we're okay with that as individuals. For, I, for a while, I was. You know, we think to ourselves, surely Christ doesn't actually want me to love God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. He can't actually expect me to put God first in every single situation. That's outrageous. Like, I have a job. I have a family. Like, they have to take priority. I can't put God first. You know, 
Jesus didn't actually mean for me to love my neighbor as myself. He just wants me to be nice to them when I see them on the street and say hello and have a good day and, you know, act like we're best buds, but I know nothing about him. You know, he doesn't really want me to go and make disciples. That's for like the elite. That's for like the professionals. He only told that to his closest disciples, the people who followed them to the cross. He's like, he only wanted them to make disciples. But not me. You see, I'm just supposed to work my job, go to church on Sunday mornings. That's all Christ asked me to do. And I thought that for the longest time. I, I say these hard things. And I don't want you to hear me throwing them at you. Because I, they're me. That's what I experienced. You see, there's sin in your midst. And maybe it's none of the things I just mentioned. But I'm willing to bet you've got sin you're okay with. This isn't just sin you're tolerating in your own life, but also sin you tolerate in the life of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Sin that you let fester in your lives and in the lives of the church. Just like the church in Thyatira, we become okay with certain sins. We let culture dictate what's all right to do around us. For Thyatira, they bought into the belief of Gnosticism. This belief that the material world is all bad, but the spiritual world is good. And whatever I do in my physical body won't affect my spirit, so I'll still go on to heaven, and actually I'm not even really sinning. Because it's just my material body, and that's whatever. I'll just discard that later. So they had this wonderful excuse, right? Go on sinning, because your spirit's like, hey, okay, you actually can't corrupt it. They had these excuses, and they had the excuse they made for sexual immorality and the excuse they made for when they ate the food sacrificed to idols. What excuses do we have? We see the sin, and then we explain away why it isn't sin. We justify sin for the sake of tolerance, for the sake of unity, for the sake of anything, just so we don't have to change, just so we don't actually have to submit to what Christ is asking us to do. Thyatira is growing. It's a growing church. This church has grown. It's been commended. Yet still it tolerates sin. And Christ sees that and knows it cannot go unpunished. Christ promises judgment and punishment to those living in and tolerating sin. But he qualifies this judgment with a call to repentance. He says, I will, not make those, I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. Christ is offering repentance to those in Thyatira. And he does not burden them with anything else he says, repent and turn back to me and hold on to what I've given you. Hold on to what I've given you. If you're tolerating sin in your midst or if, you've just or if you're just living in unrepentant sin, Christ calls you, turn back to him and hold on to what he's given you. Cling tightly to the gospel. Jesus says, hold on to what you have until I come. He gives two commands to the church in Thyatira. The first is repent, and the second is hold on. I need you all to hold on to what I've given you. I need you to cling so tightly to the gospel like you never have before. 
I need you to stand firm in the face of cultural pressure. Keep growing in love, in service, deeds. Keep persevering in these things. Just hold on. Keep being transformed to the gospel. Just hold on until I come. He's asking them to stay the course that they've started on. They've gotten off track. They want them to get, he wants them to get back on track. And I find that so comforting to know that I'm not the only one who's gotten off track. That this growing, thriving church lost its way. That I'm not the only one who's tolerated sin. That I'm not the only one who's been pressured into compromising the gospel. That the church in Thyatira did it too. I hope that brings you comfort as well. You see, we're not alone in our struggle to follow Christ. There are many things that wish to pull you away. Maybe it's the parties. Maybe it's cultural pressure. Maybe it's people at your job. Maybe it's your family. There are things that want to pull you away from Christ. But we need to hold on. We need to persevere. We have to hear what Christ is asking us to do. And then do it. No excuses. No compromises. You see, there's a period in my life that I wanted to compromise the commands of Christ. I told you about me being so lazy. You see, I had all the excuses. I don't need to share my faith because we've got professionals who do it for me. My pastor is way better at sharing the good news of Christ than I am, so why, why bother? He's, if, I can just, if, he, if he's doing it, I, I don't really see a need for me. You know, I just... You know, I want to go to parties and be at places I know I shouldn't be at and justify it by saying, well, Christ hung out with sinners, so I can hang out with sinners too. I'm totally fine to be at places and do things I know I shouldn't do because, you know, Christ did stuff like that, but that's not actually accurate. (laughs) You know, I wanted to be an audience member in church. You could find all my faith for 90 minutes on a Sunday morning. I sang some songs and listened to someone talk for the Bible for a few minutes. Then I was free to go back to the good life. Free to do anything I wanted. Because Christ forgives me, right? So I can go and live however I'd like. Not realizing that I myself had become a slave to my sin, a slave to my impulses. I had heaps of sin I tolerated in my own life. And I was so thankful that I had someone in my life who didn't. I had someone in my life who didn't tolerate the sin and that they called me out on my excuses. They challenged me to actually live my faith. They said to me, hold on to the gospel. Hold on to what Christ has given you. I stand in front of you today as your brother in Christ and I say, hold on. Don't tolerate the sin in your life anymore. Repent, cling to Jesus, hold on to him until he returns because he's coming back and he's coming back soon. I realize that I say this, but I haven't actually told you how to hold on. You know, so I hope, I thought an illustration right here might help. On the flight over, I watched a movie. You all like movies. Um, (laughs) It's called Free Solo. And if you don't know the movie, it's about a man who climbs giant mountains, like sheer cliffs, 
without a rope. He just was like, oh, I'll just, I'll just kind of, I think it's nice to kind of climb this rock wall without a rope, so if I fall, I, it's certain death. He gets a thrill out of it, named Alex. And so Alex climbs this without a rope, and when he gets on that wall, he has one singular focus in mind. Hold on. For whatever, like, for the love of your own life, hold on to that wall. Knowing that the farther, farther up he gets, that if he lets go, it will mean certain death. <laughs> I want to say here to you, hold on tightly to Christ. Knowing that letting go will mean certain death. Hold tightly to what Christ has taught you. We hold on by continuing to grow in faith, love, service, and deeds. We hold on by obeying the commands of Christ. We hold on by seeking out and creating opportunities to love our neighbor, to invite people into our homes, but not just your friends you like, not just the people at work you get along well with. I want you to go into your office tomorrow, find the person that is super high maintenance that everyone in the office avoids, that person, find them, invite them into your home for dinner. Ask them to drinks, ask them to coffee with the sole intention of loving them, of getting to know them, and of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. You don't all have to do it right there at the one dinner, but actually start to show this person that you love them because they're your neighbor. We need to actually love God with everything we have. Set that alarm clock one hour early and open the Bible. Stop watching Netflix one episode early before bed and pray. Give God prime time of your day. Never say the phrase ever again, I'm just too busy to spend time with God. We're not trying to give God time we can spare. He needs to be built in. He needs to be prioritized. He needs to be first. So ask yourself, why? This is right about the time when I, when I was called out in my sin and I learned all this. I was asked, I asked, why? Why should I do this? Why should I love my neighbor? Why should I go and make disciples? Why should I love God first and foremost among, among all things? Well, for starters, uh, it's because Christ loves you, gave himself up for you, and died for your sins so that you may have eternal life and spend eternity with him. But if that is not enough, Christ adds this really great sweetener at the end of this letter to the church in Thyatira. He says, but if that's, if persevere in following Christ because if you do, if you persevere until he comes, this is your reward. This is what Christ says. He says, to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. That one will rule them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give that one the morning star. Christ is promising that you will reign with him. That you will lead with him. Do his will until the end and you will be rewarded. Hold on. For the love of all that is good and holy, hold on. Do not let go. Keep growing. Let Jesus Christ change you. Let him transform you. Let him change who you are. Not just 
on the inside, but in real observable ways. Let it overflow out from the inside out. Don't tolerate the sin in your midst. Call it out in your own life. And be willing to call it out in your brother's life as well. But don't treat this as like a bludgeoning tool that you're perfect. Remember to examine yourself first. Because you're going to reign with Christ. He's promised that to us. And look, maybe you know you've been tolerating sin. Maybe you haven't really been trying to obey the commands of Christ. I invite you to come up to the Lord's table. In just a moment, we're going to have communion. It's God's table. He invites you to come, to eat, to drink, be forgiven. But when you come up to the table, and when you leave the table, be changed. Be forgiven. Let the power of Christ transform you. Let me pray. Father God, uh, thank you for sending your son Jesus. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for all that you've done in our lives, for all that you've given for us. God, I pray that we would be a people transformed by your son, that we would be a people who do not tolerate the sin in our midst, Lord. God, I pray that you would keep growing us, that you would keep, give us the strength to persevere, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.